I was talking to Andrew this morning a little bit, our young person, one of the young people. I like young people. Hope you do too. Yeah, you're young. You're young. Everyone's young. You know what keeps us young? The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. And I, I don't know. I've, I've been around some, what will you say, old timers? But they're a kid in heart. They haven't forgotten how to maybe play a little bit. Have fun. Enjoy God's gifts that he gives to us. My dad had a Harley Davidson, one of those old, I think it was a 50-something. He had a stick shift, you know, one of them. They called it something back in the day, suicide shift, you know, because you had to take one hand off the handlebar anyway. He loved that cycle. He rode when he was young a lot. When he started out in life, he rode to the West Coast, took off from Detroit Lake, Minnesota, in February with a buddy. And they had two bikes, but they always brought a rope. So if one of them broke down, they could pull each other, help each other out that way. Wow. This adventurous guy um, went over to the West Coast. I believe the story was they got to the West Coast to find some work, but they didn't really like, their, like the, the area, so they just made enough money to get back home. <laughs> and so he, you know, he, he talked about a place well, he's young, and he grew up, he understood Pentecost. He had Pentecost in his home growing up. Pentecost is when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came on the early church and we, on the day of Pentecost. But the Pentecostal, what, are, what is Pentecostal? Well, Pentecostal believe in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that there's another experience outside of salvation. Not that you're, you can only be saved, you know, through Jesus Christ. We know and understand that, but the Pentecostals began to understand that there is a power that the early church had that we also can have. There's a power, there's a boldness, there's this uh, absolutely uh, uh, supernatural uh, gift of the Holy Spirit that gives to us and speak and pray in a different language. How great is that? To be able to speak mysteries, it says mysteries unto God. Must not to God, but it's mysteries to us. But God understands what you're praying. So my dad was talking to me about this one place where he was on the bike and he saw apostolic. It had a sign, it had a camp, there was a camp meeting going, there was a revival going, it said apostolic something. Well, so he decides to stop in. And he just got there at the end of all the service and they were already in the prayer room. They were all in the altar, and he just kind of slipped in. What he told me from that experience was this. It was like the wave of an ocean coming over him by the Holy Spirit. Wave after wave after wave was filling him, and he was so on top of it, he didn't even see anybody. He didn't even talk to anybody. He just like he, like he floated out of that place where he talked, like he just went back on his bike singing and rejoicing in the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Not to just go out and do what the flesh wants to do, but the Spirit of the Lord helps us not do what the flesh wants to do. That's the liberty. It helps us overcome what the flesh wants to do. Oh, I can mess things up really good in my flesh. I can mess things up royally. So Paul describes... 
And now we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Corinth was a cesspool of sin. Corinthian, Corinthian. The, cor the word Corinthian means actually to sin or to fornicate. And they were known for their, for their uh, cesspool, their, their lasciviousness. Their, they were wealthy, so to speak. They had a port that, that would come in with a lot of things, a lot of merchandise. And the gospel of Jesus Christ through Paul began to change the people's lives. And I'm here to, I believe, that gospel is still today. I, I just so happen that I believe that the same Jesus that was in Paul's life is the same Jesus you and I, sir, right? It's the same Jesus who came onto this earth and went back to heaven to make a place for us. And he's the same Jesus that is going to come back for his church without spot or wrinkle. What he means by that is that we become his righteousness in him. And so by now, 2 Corinthians, he was a couple things we have to understand. He wrote two letters. He actually wrote three. One got kind of lost in the shuffles. As you can imagine, in those days, you didn't have a mailbox. You had a person that would deliver that letter. And it would take sometimes weeks, months for that letter to arrive. And by now, Paul often would, he would write back to the churches that he'd started or encouraged, I hope that wolves haven't come in and deceived many of you. See, that's exactly what some of the things Vernon was talking about last week, Wednesday. There are sometimes wolves in the midst of the church. No wolves here today, though. No wolves. You're good. You're good. You're good. But, I mean, speaking of generally, there, there are wolves. There, there is a deception. There is a deceiver, a deception. And the wolves come and speak, or they speak false truth. They begin to deceive people, if they can, to get them to wait, get them off the, gift them away from the, the flock, so that they're kind of on their own, and then they get devoured and destroyed. Friends, we need each other. The body of Christ was meant to fellowship together, to learn together, to encourage each other together. None of us are meant to be, I'll steal this from my college days, lone rangers. Lone rangers. Not meant to be a lone ranger in the body of Christ. There are no so-called super Christians. Meaning they do it all. They don't need anybody else. No such thing. The body's meant to, to function together Paul talked about that in Corinthians. The hand, the foot, the eye, the ear, all those elements. I like all of my elements, all my fingers, all my toes. I, I don't want to lose any of it. it. It would make a difference. Although I have a couple brothers I've had lost, and they have some toe members missing. But they're getting along, you know. They do the best they can. Life isn't always what you start out with. It's how you finish. Life doesn't, you don't, you don't know what... You know, about tomorrow, but you know the one who holds tomorrow. And see, we, we get this confidence, and I'm going to get into this. This is the word 
This is what I want to talk a little bit about at first here in this verse, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. This confidence, this confidence. What, what in the world did Paul have? Why could he have such confidence to go into entire cities and nations and begin to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and face the enemy? And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Notice now verse 5, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. My first thing I must understand, I can't do this myself. Hello? Yeah. We can't do this by our own knowledge. We can't do this just because we go to Bible school. And I know that knowledge is good, and that there's another element to the knowledge, which is the dimension of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings to life truth. The Holy Spirit convinces you and I what's right and what's wrong. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will come into the world when I go, and he will convict the world of sin. And that's where we're losing the battle. That's where I'm challenging myself and you. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will convict Convict people of right and wrong. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to convince people of their need. I, I'm telling you, I believe God, the Holy Spirit, can do in one second what I can't do in a lifetime. He can break the hardest of hearts. He can take hardened lumberjacks. In days of old where the pre preacher would go around on a horse... And he would preach in the logging camps and see these big, tough guys begin to cry and weep and cry out to Jesus. See, God is not, he is, he is not partial. He comes to whosoever will believe. And the hardest of hearts can be changed. Why did Paul have such a confidence? He learned from experience. He was one of the hardened, hardest, hardest, hard people. He was one of the persons that was killing the church physically, thinking he was in right standing with God. I'm here today to say that religion can be very dangerous. When I say religion, I mean we have a knowledge of who God is. But we only keep him on a distance and we only, we only just know about him. We don't really know him. The Pharisees had that problem. They became so rigid in their, 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 their rules. They began to add rules. Make more things up and begin to weigh down. Jesus confronted them on it. and said, you guys are phony hypocrites. You tell the people one way to live and you live another way yourself. What the world's Needs today is genuine folks like you and I who walk with Jesus, period. Walk with Jesus. Shine your light. 
We're not ashamed of the gospel. That's what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We have a message. We have a, we have a hope within us. No matter what happened, you know, persecution is actually good for the church because it helps us to realize we need him. Persecution has been in the church since day one. Persecution came immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, and they needed the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever because they were going to face the enemy. They were going to face certain accusation. They were some who were going to be stoned literally like Stephen to death. But they didn't stop. What did they say? We counted. Thank God we were counted worthy to suffer for him. What a way to live. This is, this is the liberty. They may throw us in the jail, but we're still free on the inside. I don't want to go to jail for the gospel, but would I be willing to? I have to ask my question, myself to my question. Am I willing to? If it means that I proclaim the whole counsel of God, I have to consider, weigh the cost. Pick up your cross and follow me. This adequacy, this confidence is not coming from us. This adequacy, this confidence, ever, ever begin to think, well, I got this figured out. Oh, boy. Proud, pride cometh before fall. And I have to tell you the story. I, and I don't mean to boast in my ministry, but it was way back in Palisade. We had a fella. We had a fella that was struggling. Uh, his mom called me. He said, my son is in the bar. Would you go see if you could talk to him? Oh, being the Pentecostal pastor. I said, yeah. I'm a young 28, 29. I walk in, and I had a leather black jacket. Like I do now, Horton, you gave me that. The one I'm wearing now, thanks, man. You're the best. Anyway, the guy thought I was a policeman. <laughs> so he whirls around, and he finally figured it out, it was me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I don't know what I said. I just said, I said, man, I don't know what I said to him. I know God helped me. And another time it was his brother. He was in a house. And he was under the influence. And there was, uh, there was conflict with his wife or living, I don't remember. And I'm telling you the truth, he was spouting off. He was standing on his kitchen floor and he was spouting off and saying some things. I think they were boasting. He was boasting. And all of a sudden, his feet went right out from under and he went flat on his back. And he got up and said, well, I must, God must have wanted to knock me down or something. He recognized something happened because there was a grandmother who was praying and there was a mom that had prayed after the grandma went to heaven, after her, she left, there was a mom that was still with a prayer for her kids. Don't ever underestimate the power of the praying mother or praying people in your life, your kids, your grandkids. 
God is not only interested in saving you and I, he's interested in saving your kids. He's interested in saving your kids' kids and your kids' 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 kids. He's interested in entire generations to the next generation to the next generation, that every tribe, tongue, generation, how many generations, I don't know, only Jesus knows. But let God be who he is. It's time to take the ground from the enemy. It's time to stand ground, not being afraid, but with the trump of the Lord, with the triumph of the Lord in us, living in us. Can I hear it? Amen. Amen. There's a new covenant, verse 6. I want us just to focus a little. This is the new covenant who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Jesus came not to throw away the law. He fulfilled the law. What does it mean? He completed what the law in itself could not do. The law showed us how short we came, how short we fall. It reminded us of our sins every year. It reminded us year by year we would get, we would, they would go down and they would offer their sacrifices, they would bring, they would confess their sins, and then they were good for a year. With that covenant only covered, it didn't take away. Jesus comes to give us a new covenant forever and forever and forever. Your sins are forgiven, forgotten. And so I believe it's this way. There are principles from the Old Testament. There are things that pertain to us. Absolutely, the Ten Commandments stand as they did then. They stand as they, they did then. They stand now. Jesus boiled down the Ten Commandments to two. Love God, love your neighbor, and yourself. The problem is, as I see it, if we start to live under the Old Testament rule, and we, do, we try to begin to please God in our own self, God honors it, but without the understanding that Jesus paid for all my sin without that understanding all of a sudden we we begin to walk oh my goodness what if i sin this now and he comes and i'm not ready I, I used to live that way and i come to understand i can sin unawaringly i can i sin not knowing it even to do what is right james says it's sin, not doing it. To know what's do, to do what is right and not do it is sin. So I'm, there's no way I can save myself. No, how, no matter how good. The good news is this. We have a new covenant. And Jesus said, I'm going to stand and take your place. You're going to become righteous. Because of my blood is shed. The blood of Jesus is the only blood that to take away the sin of a broken-hearted, bound-up person 
who is destroying themselves and destroying other people around them. And so it, it cataloged, it, it, what's the word? I'm trying to think of this thing in the Old Testament. They, they, they made this rock thrower. What do you call it? Catalog? Yeah, you know what it is. <laughs> anyway, Paul is like, he gets saved on the road to Damascus. Muttering and uttering threats as he was. You talk about the grace of Jesus. God could have struck him dead just get nuked, you're done. you're done. But God had plans. <laughs> God had plans. God saw something that he could use. That personality, that risk-taking, that firebrand. So he knocks him to the ground, and of course he can't see physically. But he could see spiritually. He was, he really started to live that day. And now if you were like Ananias who was praying, and God told you, Paul, Saul rather, needs you to go over and lay hands on him. You pray for him that his sight comes back. Well, wait a minute, God, he's the guy that's killing people like me. Yeah, but you go, you, you lay hands on him, you pray, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open his eyes. And sure enough, Ananias obeys God, and he goes to Saul's house, and he finds him, and he says, I'm here to pray for you. Oh. I don't know what Paul exactly said, but the scripture says there was something like scales fell off his eyes, scales. I know that's a physical scale thing. Could we apply that to some people's scales and the spiritual scales? Because this ties right in with this veil that Paul describes in the next verses. That in verse 13, 2 Corinthians 3, and are not as Moses who used to put a veil over his face that the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever a man turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You've wrestled with this. Why do some people have such a hard time understanding that they need Jesus? You wrestle with it just like I wrestle with it. And it's this. It's because the enemy, verse 4, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians says this, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Wisdom is this. Here's wisdom. 
If we know how to pray now, let's pray. Oh, specific, specifically, Lord, I pray that the eyes of their heart may be opened. It's right in the book. It's right in the scriptures. Paul prayed it over his people too, even those that were saved. He prayed that they would excel even more. I believe that we're, we're going to see some eyes that are going to get open in the next few weeks and months. I'm believing for eyes to be open to truth. The truth is this, that I need Jesus. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I cannot do this alone. I can never live good enough. I can, and the fact of the matter is, many times I feel very inadequate, very, very uh, unfit for the job. I would fit right in with Moses when he's argued with God, this is not for me. You gotta have somebody else. Somebody else can do a better job. But the truth of the matter of where he, what he's calling us to do is not going to come from ourselves. So this whole key, of this whole gospel, of the ministry of proclaiming the things of Jesus is not about the re results, so to speak. It's about being obedient. And if some people will hear and receive, and he said that the sower went out and planted a seed, some fell on good soil, some falls on rocking, some just doesn't make it, some, you know, persecution comes along and they fall away. This is, this is, this is often you see in, and just across the board in church life, there's this, there's this up and downness. And we're believing God that He will give the increase. That He will give the increase as your faith will. You and I pray, believing God. We are the treasure. We're not the treasure, rather. We are the vessel. He is the treasure. You are the instrument. He is the one who fills us. And so I'm going to kind of ramp it up here. Uh, persevering, persecution. We are people who are not surprised that the enemy retaliates. When something good is happening, the enemy wants to steal it from you. Did you know that Abraham, Abraham or Abraham was offering a sacrifice in the Old Testament very early on in Scripture? And it says the birds of prey came down on that carcass, and he had to go chase them away. Uh, there's always something wanting to steal your joy, steal your offering, so to speak, steal your love toward God. Always something in this life that wants to get you to stop believing or stop praying, stop, get you off track, sideswipe you somehow, get you convinced, to begin to think that, Maybe there's nothing to this at all. Well, don't go that route. Call on God again. Just begin to remind yourself that he is there by his spirit. He is never going to leave us. And Paul then goes on, of course. He has so many things that were coming against him. He needed Jesus. And you can read a whole list from verse 8 in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians about the afflictions. In every way, but not cross-perplexed, but not despairing. In other words, he just didn't give up. He just wouldn't quit. He knew that if he stayed 
faithful that it would turn out, it would turn out somehow, even as the things in verse 18, right now, we, I love the colors, the, the, the fall, the beauty, the lakes. But even those things which we see are temporal. But the things which we do not see are eternal. You'll never know until heaven reveals the depth he unfolds his, his plans, reveal his secrets. Deuteronomy 29, 29 are revealed to you and I. And we're going to rejoice forever and forever. I want you to be encouraged today if you find you found you're in a stretch in life where this seems to be going nowhere. Yes, we can. Understand, God is taking us to the next level. Some of you are leaving the community. You're just going to a new place. Maybe it's an old place, but a new start. God's there too. God is in the same. He's in the business of changing people. What is our own real? Our own Paul said at the. The only thing we really owe is to love one another. Just love. Love. People that are what Paul said on the outside, he said, pray that an opportunity, pray for an opportunity. What if we start praying for opportunities for witnessing Jesus? Just to speak a word, plant a seed. Wouldn't that be fun? An opportunity. And I believe there are opportunities that we'll give us. Let's close the prayer. Lord Jesus, submit ourselves to you because you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You see all things. You understand all things. You see the whole entire picture. We only see a part. But right now we lift up loved ones who are in, the, in a place where they're not really getting it. But we say in Jesus' name, open their eyes. Open their spiritual eyes. Lord, bring circumstances, whatever it takes, that they will come to Christ. Kids that have wandered, perhaps, or just maybe not where you want them to be, that they will find you again. You, as a, you will help us as the body of Christ, whether we're here in Cross Lake or wherever, going somewhere else in our, in our nation, whether there are our brothers and sisters who are in Belize, our brothers and sisters across the world, you are at work in the church. You are always doing things to steer us closer to you and to bring us to that place where we become more fruitful even more fruitful, bear more fruit. Sometimes it hurts when we are disciplined and when hard things come and you're pruning us and make us more even dependent upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, well, I'm going to change